to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So Paul states here, I am the less, I'm the least of all the saints, and yet grace has been given to me, purpose has been placed in me, something's been put in me to be able to bring the mystery of the riches of Jesus to the whole world, okay, because that's what the mystery was. The mystery was that, that God has set aside a people at the beginning, and he was using them for his glory, and he was showing through them his glory and his purposes, and Jesus came, and he came to those people, and he came to show them that he was the Messiah, the one that was going to come and save the world. But actually, the mystery is hidden. It was hidden. It says this in scripture. In this scripture, it says it was hidden. Just a little bit afterwards. It's always been there, but it was hidden. And God used Paul to be able to unveil this mystery, to be able to bring the message that wasn't just for a nation, wasn't just for a group of people it was for the whole world Jesus Christ the story of Jesus Christ was for the whole world the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was for the whole world the conquering of death through Jesus Christ was for the whole world and at that point that hadn't been made known until Paul had come on the scene it hadn't been made known and God meets Paul now, if you don't know Paul, Paul was a murderer. He was involved and complicit in the killing of Christians. In fact, one of the uh, well-known um, Stephen, who was one of the disciples, he was stoned not long before Jesus got hold of Paul. And it says that, that whilst he was being stoned, that Paul was holding the coats of those that were throwing the stones. This guy was all out to destroy the name of Jesus. He wanted to take Jesus out. And he was taking out anyone that was going to represent him. And he is on the way, on this road, to go and do the very, that very thing, to take out a, a church that's risen up. And Jesus just turns up and he meets him. Are you thankful? Yes. Do you know I'm thankful? Are you thankful that God didn't judge you and doesn't judge you based on your past mistakes? Yes. Are you thankful that God can still use you today? Even though you've got a record, as long as your arm, or longer, it's definitely longer in it than your arm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I chatted to Vinny on Monday. He was like, man, you're so personal. I was like, oh, sorry, Pen. <laughs> yeah, our mistakes, the things that we've done wrong, are not the things that define us. And we can see this through Jesus, through the way Jesus deals with people throughout the word of God, how God deals with people throughout the word of God. But I am thankful that despite the, the rocky start that we had to life, yeah, that that wasn't what was going to define who I'm going to be. <laughs> who was in their pit? Who was in the mess? Who was broken beyond repair? Yeah, who was living a selfish life? Who was who was bathing in their sin and didn't know how to get out of it, yeah? 
He was dealing with ignorance. You know, they were completely ignorant of the existence of God. They had hatred in their heart. They were angry. They had grief that was overbearing that they couldn't even see beyond anything else. When you were at your worst, Jesus met you. And we still can live a life that's like, oh, I've just messed up so bad. I'm like, when you're at your worst, when you didn't even know that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's got to be your worst, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? When, when he's not your Lord and Savior, that's got to be when it's worse. It doesn't have to be defined with what pit you're in. The pit that you're in, which is the ignorance that Jesus is Lord, that's got to be the greatest pit, pit that you've ever been in. Yeah? The one where there is no answers. There's no hope. So when you were at your worst, Jesus still came and he met you. Yeah? And he met Paul at his worst. Yeah, he was just on his, he killed some people and he's on his way to kill more. He's on his way to imprison them. He's on his way to persecute Jesus himself, the, the, the church. And he's at his worst and Jesus meets him. And he sets him free. And then he doesn't just end there. He doesn't just say, well, I'm glad I've just stopped you doing the thing I didn't want you to do. He then put purpose in him. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop at the cross. It doesn't stop with Jesus saving you. Jesus saves you, but he places purpose in you. Isn't that incredible? I mean, really, he could just make us sit in the corner, like on a net or not. step and say, look, I've saved you, but you just stay in the corner because I can't trust you. You're going to make so many mistakes. You sit in the corner. Don't look at anyone. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Okay, please, let's just get through this life, and then I'll see you in heaven, Yeah? I mean, that, if, if, we were, if Jesus was like me, he'd be like, look, just everyone, just you stay out of it. And, and I, I know how to keep this thing together. Yeah, Jesus is, he's perfect. He knows how to do this thing. Yeah. But he, he says to you, he's, he says, look, I'm not only have I saved you, but now I want you to know who you are in me. Nobody is missed. Nobody is missed. This is the mystery. This is what Paul came to say. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross, poured out, not just for a small group of people, but for the entire world, for everyone. And that was the mystery, the mystery of the church. Verse 14. Um, If you're a Christian in this place, go read this over and over again. This is us. This is the amazing passage of scripture, okay? This is what we've inherited. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family, yeah, you think this is a family? We're part of something much bigger, yeah? The whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant you, according to his riches, of his glory to be strengthened with might, through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, yeah? May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness 
of God. This is the goal of God for everyone. And this should be the goal of the church to bring everyone to this place. You know, earlier when I opened the meeting and I was asking the questions that Paul was asking questions, is it a firm foundation? Is it a firm foundation? How do you know it's a firm foundation? It says, okay, great. How do you know it's a firm foundation? You know it says it. How do you know? Because you stood on it. You've experienced it. We've chested it out. It works. <laughs> I was shaken and it works. I will not be shaken because the foundation that I'm on can't be. So when Paul is asking these questions of us, yeah, is it? He's not saying, I'm doubting. He's saying, have you tested it? Do you not know that it works? So when we look at this passage, and we go, I'm going to go through it a little bit um, more. When we go through that process and we go through the scripture, we start to understand, oh, is it? And if the answer is yes, then we are holding to something that we should be holding on to, to say, look, I don't need to, to be scared in the storm. I do not need to fear the, the mountain that is facing me. Because I know. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father, knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There is only one name in earth and in heaven to give us access to eternity. Nobody will access eternity in heaven without him. Nobody can get there by another means. There is no other way. There's no cutting corners. There is no loopholes. You can't go away and think, do you know what? I'm going to go and search to see if I can get there in another way. There is no other way. He is the only way. And his name is? His name is? Yeah. So we are all labeled and named the family of Jesus. Yeah, in heaven and on earth. Whoa, Jesus gave you a label. You know, we don't like labels and we shouldn't be taking some labels on. But that's a label I'm happy to wear. You know, the one that says Jesus. And he puts that on you. And people are going to, uh, or you're going to come into the Lord. You're going to come to heaven. You're going to come to the gates, whatever it's going to look like. And they're, all they're going to be looking for is, have you got Jesus written on your heart? Is Jesus your life? Because if it is, you're walking in to be with the family of Jesus, the family of God. We are named the family of Christ. Is his name written on your heart? Is he Lord of your life? If he isn't and you were to die tonight, you will not know this family. If he is not Lord of your life, if he is not written on your heart and you were to die tonight, you will not know this family. I'm not saying it. It's written. No Jesus, no hope. No Jesus, no hope. How do we know hope? Because I know Jesus. Yeah? 
verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Yeah, the outer wastes away a little bit. Some stuff starts to get a bit more wrinkly. Yeah. You have to tuck it in, not just your clothes, but sometimes your skin. You know what I'm saying? I'm with you. It's okay. <coughs> it happens, but there's an inner man. Oh, thank God for the inner man. <sighs> if anyone says anything about your outside, you say, you haven't seen my inside. And that's what counts to Jesus. But get this, get this. It says, if we just look at this, it says, um, he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened. To be strengthened. Not your strength. Has anyone ever tried doing things in their own strength? Does it look like a face plant on the floor? Because that's what it looks like to me. You get up and you're like, oh, my nose. Probably a bit of blood somewhere. And you're like, why did I do that? I can't even see properly now. And he's like, God's like, you did that in your own strength. Should we try it again? Yeah? <clears throat> to be strengthened with might through his spirit. Your spirit? Some other spirit? His spirit. It says, in the inner man. So when Jesus comes into our life, we've invited a power that is not our own. No matter what preacher you ever hear tell you that says that you are powerful now, it ain't your power. Because we know what our power looks like. Yeah, it looks messy and it messes up things. Whenever I try to do things in my own strength, I'm usually having to pick up a lot of the pieces afterwards. <coughs> but when he moves in, remember the day before the day when you were something else? Do you remember that? The day when you were like doing it in your own strength, face planting on the floor every now and then, completely messing up. The day before the day, and then the day happens, and you said, I want to follow Jesus. So maybe some crazy person like me was inviting you to, to, to invite Jesus into your life. And you're like, yeah. And that something changed in you. It's because you invited the, his spirit into your inner man to wake up. Suddenly, you're not doing it in your own strength anymore. Anyone carried on in their own strength afterwards? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we do. But we don't have to. We have something now inside, a power that's not ours, but his. No Jesus, no power. No Jesus, no power. You're facing situations, struggling. Everyone is. No one here is exempt. Everyone's battling through different things. But if you know him, you'll know his power to overcome the situation you're in. If you don't, there's no power. You're going to just do it yourself. And that doesn't work out well. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
that you being rooted and grounded in love. When Jesus moves into your life, we are rooted in his love. Anyone had hatred in their heart? I have. It's okay. A few people put their hands up. You all have. Okay. Yeah, we all struggle with this. But do you know what helps me overcome hatred? His love. Not my love. I tried it with my love. Anyone receive the love of, of people without God? It's love, but it's, it's a warped version of love, isn't it? It's usually got a little bit of a manipulation in it. It's usually got a bit of like, if I give, you give. Yeah? But with Jesus' love, yeah, when Jesus comes in, yeah, we know love that it helps us to dispel hatred. It just has to go. Because his love is greater. No Jesus, no love, no faith. Know Jesus, you'll know love, and you know faith. May, may be able to comprehend, verse 18, with all the saints, what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <laughs> you may be looking in life to try and fulfill things. That's because... Eternity is written on man's heart, okay? Which means there's something in us from the beginning of our birth that is searching for more. That's why everyone throws in uh, themselves into things to say, right, maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's statuses. We all do this, yeah? We've all done this, probably all guilty of it, yeah? But we look to try and pour something in that's going to satisfy us and fulfill us. But we know that it only lasts for a short term, it's temporary satisfaction. There are people that are the richest people in the world and they are miserable. Many, many actresses and actors that do great things, yeah? Um, do great things, make movies. I don't know if they do great things. Make movies and stuff, end up killing themselves. They end up having great money in their bank, but they don't have any satisfaction. It's only going to fulfill them for a short period. We're all searching for fulfillment. Every one of us are looking for it in all the wrong places. But in Christ, yeah, let's read that a little bit again. That you may be filled with all the fullness of Christ. Okay, who's saved in this house, yeah? Who got saved, yeah? Have you still sought after other things to fulfill your life? You don't need to put your hand up. But yeah, 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 okay, well done, being brave. Yeah, we still sought to fulfill ourselves with other things, even though Jesus has moved in, okay? So we know that we're still an ongoing work. But do you now know that you're fulfilled in your life? Yeah, your flesh isn't fulfilled. Your flesh is battling with the spirit like we learned last week. But you are fulfilled. That thing that you've been searching for your whole life is no longer something you need to search for. We might still make some mistakes along the way. Might still open some doors we shouldn't open because our flesh is saying, oh, let's try that. I remember that temporary feeling it gave me. Let's have that feeling again. But actually, I'm not searching for answers anymore because the answer is Jesus. And he moved into my life. And he gives you fulfillment that you can't explain or comprehend. You're like, I don't know why I've got it, but I'm okay. I've got this. No, Jesus. No fulfillment. No Jesus. No fulfillment. Know what it's like to be complete. How can people be single or without children? 
and still be complete? Because that's what Jesus does. People think you have to have money in your bank or you need to have a big career. And Jesus says, I am enough. It's all just a bit meditating for the Lord. How do you not fall asleep before you pick up the phone with that? Know Jesus, know him, know him in your life and know the fulfillment and completion that he is. If you don't know him, you're not going to have it. And we see people running around in this world, in this life, even people that even come to church and they're like, oh, it's not enough. And it's like, then you clearly haven't met Jesus because you wouldn't be thinking the way you think. You might have a warped version of him right now. You might have created him in a way that you think fits your life, but that's not how Jesus works. He doesn't fit into our lives. We fit into his life. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. Now I feel like I'm at a ride at some like Chesington or something. Now, unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Didn't you share that a minute ago, Sue? I think you did. When Sue shared that, I was like, right, the word is on its way. I'm going to break it down a little bit more. Okay, so now unto him. What does unto mean? Unto or upon. So now upon him. Who's him? God, okay? Now, upon God, who is able. Now, what does the word able mean? What does it actually mean? It's a Greek word called dunamai, okay? Not dunamis, okay? Some of you might know that one. That's dynamite. That's actually power, Greek word for power. That's in the word. And actually, these words are linked together, okay? But actually, this word's called dunamai. Dunamai. Do you want to say it? Dunamai. Yeah, well done. And it means to have power, okay? So I'm going to take your scripture, Sue, and I'm going to raise it a bit for you, okay? Because actually when we break it down, on him is the power, yeah? He has the power to do. He, not you, not, not, the, not somebody else, not a false god, not an idol, not, a, not an, a, a, a motivational speaker's plan for your life, not a psychiatrist, not a doctor, yeah? He is able, which means he has the power, and he alone holds the power, yeah? He is able, dunamai, to have the power. So upon him... He has the power to do exceedingly, abundantly above. You need that in your life? Then you need Jesus. You need that in your life. You can't, you can't get anywhere if you don't know him. Know him, no power. If you don't know him, you will not have any power. And you'll read these scriptures and go, but why is exceedingly abundantly above not working for me, Lord? And he's like, look at your power. And this is the power struggle that we have in our lives. That we try to operate in our lives with a mindset that we can do it. Well, we tried to do it and it didn't work. And I'm not just talking about you in your life, however long you've been living. 
Mankind has always been trying to do it. For thousands of years before Jesus came, God put a plan in place to say, okay, let's see if you can do it. And they couldn't do it. He put laws and he put things in place. He said, if you follow these things, you can get there. Do you know there are still morons today that believe that they can follow over 600 laws to get into heaven because they believe that that is the way that they can get there. That's the loophole. Well, they've already broken it. It's already been broken when they were born. Do you know what I mean? There is no hope to be able to live that. And Jesus said, man, they're not able to do it. But I can. So church, it's about power struggle. You're struggling in your life. It's because you're using the wrong power. You're using your own or you're relying on others. Or what others have said. But it has to be his power and his power alone. And it's only his power that then can do exceedingly abundantly above. Not us. Oh, look, look what we did. We did nothing. We couldn't do it before and we can't do it after. But he is in us now. His power, not our power. His power in the inner man has been awoken as we learned last week. So when we read scripture now... I just want to encourage you. Sorry, did I scare? Shouted. Be at peace. But when I read scripture now, and I realize what it's actually saying when it says God is able, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. Oh. I'm not able to handle this situation if I'm going to do it in my own strength. I'm not able to operate in grace and forgiveness in this situation in my own strength. But God has the power to make all grace abound in me so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God has the power to make grace abound in you. If you want to choose to live a life where you don't operate in grace, that means you're operating in your own power. I don't know if I can forgive. Well, that ain't, that ain't God's power then. That's your power. I don't think I can have grace for that person. Well, that's not his power then. That's your power. If we're going to be walking with Jesus, we've got to be walking with Jesus. It has to be his power. It has to be all about him. It has to be him and him alone. When we start trading up with God, when we start having a power struggle, well, Jesus, actually, I think I can take it from here. Jesus is like, well, go on, then let's see how you get on with it. We need to submit to his power. Hebrews 7 verse 25, consequently, he is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near um, to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him. Consequently, he has the power to save. Uttermost means complete, entirely um, perfect through all time. He's able to complete us, yeah, through his power. It's his power that will save and it won't just save you, it will complete you. 
So if you're feeling incomplete, it must mean that you've decided not to accept the power of God to do the work that he's already done. You're doing it yourself. You're stumbling all over yourself. You're still face plumbing into the pavement. You're still tripping yourself up. Because when I read this scripture now, and I think, wow, he's given me the power to do it. He's given me the power to do it. It's his power for me to be able to come to him. He's able to save me and complete me. If I'm incomplete or I'm not saved in my own head, there's something gone wrong in that transaction. Which means there's a power struggle. Which means that I've made a decision somewhere along the line to, to, to fight this myself. To do it my way. Maybe there's something that God is saying, give up. Maybe there's something that God's saying, lay down. And we're like, nope, I want to keep that. And God's like, then I can't give you my power to overcome that. Jude one twenty four. now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Yeah, now to him who has the power. Do you want to know why you keep stumbling? Because you keep getting up in the morning thinking, I'm going to do better today, Jesus. And Jesus says, it didn't work out so well yesterday either, did it? But if we wake up in the morning saying, God, I can't do this anymore. But I submit to your power that says in your scripture that you can keep me from stumbling. I can't keep myself from stumbling. But I want to give you the power. I want to hand it over to you. And it says, then it it keeps you from stumbling and to then present you blameless before the presence and the glory of great joy. Anyone ever struggle turning up to a meeting because you've messed up? Yeah? Yeah, I have. Absolutely. Yeah? We struggled to come to a meeting. But if we realize, oh, I struggled. I messed up because I tried to do that. I tried to fix it. Hang on a minute. If I trans transfer my power to his power then not only will he keep me from stumbling but he allows me to present myself blameless to come into the glory So actually, when we start looking at that and we start realizing it, if we operate in our own power, then we feel condemned by our sin, yeah, our mistakes. And that in turn leads us not to want to enter into the presence of God, which in turn is the very thing we need to come to, yeah, the presence of God to enable us to have the strength to be able to feel the forgiveness of God, to get the healing that we need, to be able to then move on. So we don't even go to church anymore because we're sinning. When we should be saying, oh, how do I get to the place where I can feel worthy in the presence of God? Oh, it's not about what I did or didn't do. It's about what he's done for me. So if I come to him and I say, God, I made a mistake here. I did this in my own strength and I slipped up. I want to transfer a power to you. Yeah, then he can come in. He can give you the strength to stop stumbling so that you can walk into the holy of holies. And you can receive that which you need to be an overcomer. Romans 4.21, I am fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Has it come true yet? If it's not, 
Don't go try doing it yourself in your own strength. Trust in his power. I am fully convinced that God has the power to do what he has promised. If he's promised it, if he's said it, whether it's in his word or you believe he's spoken it over your life, then he's not finished yet. He is capable. He is able. He has the power to do it, not you. And what we do when something isn't coming forward as quick as we should, maybe it's a career choice. Maybe it's a relationship. We're not waiting for the partner to come. We're going to go and find them. Or, or maybe it's about when we're meant to have children or whatever it might be. Or where, maybe it's about a job you're supposed to pick. And you're like, well, I'll just get this one then. And God says, I've got the right job for you. You just trust me with it. I have the power to fulfill the promises that I keep. Trust me. I know what's best for you. But what we do is we go, oh, it's not happening quick enough. I'll go and make it happen. We go and try and fulfill the prophecy. We go and try and fulfill the promise ourselves. Has that anyone, anyone ever got anywhere with trying to fulfill their own promises and prophecies? No. Has anyone ever really kind of got in more mess because they tried? Yeah, absolutely. We try to cut corners. We try to get there quicker. And we end up in a mess. We are powerless. Just say that to the person next to you. You are powerless. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10 says this. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Yeah, I'd rather people see how weak I am that they would see Jesus. Or would you rather people see how righteous you are and they miss Jesus? Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Well, that can't be his own strength. It must be the Christ that's living in him. It must be the power that is within. And this is the power struggle that we can have in our lives. Okay, can I have two people, Lawrence and, go on, Nick. Come on, uh, yep, right up here. Might need to move the camera around, I don't know. Now, I believe that there's, I want to address people in the room today and anyone that's watching online or anyone that maybe will catch this after. Could you hold one end of that rope and you hold the other? Yeah, could you just spread out a little bit? You don't have to get too, it's not... Yeah, okay, yeah, get a good foot. Right, okay. It's all right, you're not going to have to exert yourself or anything. I know that. I know that's what Jess wants, but you're not getting it. Okay. There are people in this room, people that we're watching online, who have been trying to succeed in this life by doing it your way. Okay? And I know this because you're a human being. And last time I checked, so am I. So the same weaknesses you have, I have. The same weaknesses that you have, the people sat next to you have. None of us are in this place acting like we've got it all together or we know everything. We are all weak, just like Paul says. But it is his strength that we need. But we've, you've been living a life doing it for yourself, yeah? Operating your way, doing it your way. 
not getting the results you need, not getting where you want, and frustrated, maybe even frustrated with God. Maybe God's not even in your life, but you're still shouting at him every now and then. I used to have that relationship with God before I came to him. I didn't even know that he was God. I was still telling him I didn't like things that he was doing. Now, many people will tell you that there is a battle for your soul between good and evil. God versus Satan. Who wants to be Satan? Is it, it, it's a trick question, but because none of you should want to be Satan. Oh, oh, what a brother. Okay, Satan and God, yeah? Now, many people will say that there is a wrestling over your soul between Satan and God, okay? And it, you can just kind of like give the people what they want. Just show that you're fighting a little bit, yeah? Not, not, don't, hurt, don't pull a muscle. Okay, that's cool. And we envisage that God and Satan is fighting over your soul, okay? Yeah, this is, the, this is what's being built up. And there's a, a definite element of truth to that. But I believe that this message today isn't focusing on, on that. It's not focusing on the power struggle between God and Satan for your soul. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a bit. Thank you very much, guys, okay? Thank you, I'll take it. Right. <coughs> it's not... There's a power struggle in your life, but it isn't between God and Satan. It's not between God and Satan. The power struggle that is going on is the tug of war between you and you. And you've got like, I might need a stand, got a stand. Gonna be like, um, was it Noel Gallagher now? No hands. Got no power. Got no power. Need Jesus. There he is. Okay. That's really high. It's like Lawrence height. I said, maybe. No, joking, joking. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know what that voice was. So yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay, the tug of war is between you and you. And the two hands that you see aren't two separate people. They're not Satan versus God. They're yours. This rope is your life. And you're tugging one way and you're tugging the other. You're tugging in what you should, you should be doing and you know is right. And you're pulled to do what you know you like doing. What your flesh wants. But it feels good. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, but we want to go to the Bible study. Oh, yeah, we do we want to go to the Bible study. Or, you know, we can be in a place where we're struggling with sin. And sin, sin is often a thing that we, we are riddled with when we come to Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you're definitely going to be riddled with it right now. And it, it's, it's the thing that consumes us. It, 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 it controls us. And it really messes up any connection we can have with God. And, and like I said last week, sometimes it's all we've ever known. We've only ever known to do these things this way. But the wrestling that's going on in your life, the power struggle is not between good and versus evil. It's between you and you. You are wrestling with surrendering to do what is right before God. 
You're saying in your heart that I can do this. I can overcome. You're waking up in the morning and you're saying, I think I can do this. So when we're struggling with sin, how many people said, how many people turn a Monday into a Monday into the reset with God day? We should really maybe rename it. Anyone? I definitely know it's a diet day. Yeah, the reset, the diet day. But because we've had a Sunday meeting, anyone ever been in that place where, oh, Monday's, Monday I'm going to do better with Jesus, yeah? But who goes into that Monday the same as they were on Sunday where they were trying to fix it before themselves, yeah? I've definitely been there. So when I'm, I'm being challenged maybe through a word like this or in, in the presence of God, I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to be different. I've heard your word. I'm going to be different. But I wake up and I'm not different because I'm still believing that I can do it in my own strength. And then I'm, I'm frustrated and I'm confused because I'm like, God, I gave it to you. I don't understand. I, I, I said that I was going to be different. I, I said I was going to do it. And God said, but you woke up telling me how you were going to fix it. You woke up telling me how you were going to put in place the things that were going to change. You. But you haven't actually given over the power. This is the power struggle. So that means your hand is still on the rope. And whilst you might not want those desires anymore, whilst you might not want to do these things anymore, you haven't let go of the rope. Because this is your power. This is just you. You are the one doing it. So we can give Satan all the credit he likes, but Satan has no power but which you give him. So whilst you're struggling in your sin, we could be like, oh, Satan was at me today. No, if you just hadn't gone into the sin, Satan wouldn't be anywhere near you. So you're battling with stuff that says, I want to follow Jesus, but I really still want to do this thing. And you're wrestling with yourself. No one else is there. We're blaming everyone else. Oh, God's put this test in my life. No, he hasn't. It's just a choice. Can you choose to let go can we choose to let go? Because, because if we don't, we're going to just keep trying to fix things ourselves. How's that been going for you, fixing things yourselves? Really good? Scale of 1 to 10, how did that go for you, fixing things yourself? Minus 10 over there. Yeah, we'll take that. That's a good answer. When we try to fix things ourselves, I don't know if it's called pride. I don't know if it's us thinking, okay, I'll, how many of us say, I'll come to Jesus when I've sorted out this, I can't come to Jesus because I've got sin right now and I feel a bit unworthy and I've got things I've got to sort out and I've got an addiction to drugs or something like that. And I, once I've got that over with, then I'll come to Jesus. Yeah? Anyone been like that? Yeah? Yeah? It's okay. I've been there. Yeah? So, so when we're in that place where we're saying like, oh, I'll come to Jesus when I'm able to clean myself up, they're missing the whole point of Jesus. Yeah? We need Jesus to clean us up because we can't clean ourselves up. So what happens is we can come into the kingdom of God and we're still holding this rope that says, this is my life. This is my life. And we're now wrestling with God about what to do against what we want to do. And there's a power struggle going on. But God hasn't even got involved and not really even has Satan. It's just between you and you. When we give our life to Jesus, when we hand over our lives, when we give it to him, we don't need to struggle anymore. 
Will we struggle? Yes. Will there be things in our lives that will challenge us? Yes. But we do not need to struggle without him. We don't need to struggle in life where we go, oh, okay, I made that mistake. I messed that up. Then I'm going to fix it. And then I messed it up. And then I'm going to fix that. And then I messed that up. That's what we do. And that means we struggle. We just struggle in life. But when we submit to God, God has the power to do exceedingly abundantly above. He has it. And we struggle to submit to God when really the best thing that we could all do is submit to God. Because by your own admission, when we try to do it ourselves, it doesn't work out. It's a minus 10. It just doesn't come out good. The results do not look good for you. So if this is your life, and let's just say the black bit on it is your actual life on this earth, and the rest of it's your eternity, and it's eternity because it's a circle, so it'll keep going. This little bit here has massive significance to the rest of it. What you choose to do in this life, who you choose to follow, will have all the significance for the rest. You see this little line here, where it goes from black to white, your life into eternity? Everyone will start eternity. It depends what we've done here, which will define what eternity we will go into. This is your life. This is your life. Do you want to know why I believe it's not a battle between God and Satan? Can I show you? Thank you. I'm taking this with me. Because this is where your life is meant to be. There should be no wrestling between you and you. There should be no more battling about deciding whether sin is okay or carrying on in that way of thinking is okay. Have I messed the cameras up? Oh, I'm still there. Okay. This is where your life belongs at the cross in the hands of Jesus. Do you want to know why I know it's not a battle between God and Satan for your soul? He already done it. If you read it in the word of God, it's actually quite hilarious what Satan thinks he's about to do. And he nearly gets Jesus. He nearly gets him. He nearly gets him. He nearly thinks he's won. See, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is arrested and he is beaten to within one beating of his life. 
And that beating wasn't just a, a leather whip. It was with bone and metal upon it. It ripped his flesh. Satan thought he'd won there because surely any man has got to surrender in that moment. Plead. Sin. Say something. Swear. Can you, can you imagine that happening to you and you not swearing? Cussing? Jesus took it. Took everyone for you. For me. He never backed down. Then he was mocked. He was spat at. They put a crown on his head made of thorns to mock him and they pressed that into his head so he bled. He never backed down. He never gave in. He never sinned. He was laughed at, ridiculed, whilst he had to carry his own cross. And then he is nailed to the cross. His hands nailed to the cross. His feet. That's the one that gets me. His feet nailed to the cross. And he doesn't back down. Satan is pulling on the rope, thinking he's got Jesus in the gonna get Jesus in the mud. And Jesus doesn't back down. And even when he's breathing his last breath, or he's tempted by others to say, call on your angels and let them come and take you down. He doesn't give in. So, Satan took a death. Satan, the master of death. He took a death he wasn't allowed to take because the wages of sin is death. And Satan can take you through your sin and say this person deserves death through their sin. But a life was taken that did not sin. And it messed everything up for the kingdom of darkness. So you want to know why there's not a wrestling going on? between your soul, between God and Satan, because Jesus has already done it. He's already done it. It's complete. It is finished. It is over. It is done. That doesn't mean there's no angels out there battling over things in your life. It doesn't mean that there isn't spiritual principalities of darkness that are trying to, to overcome you or come at you. But you deal with them the same way Jesus did, which is get behind me, Satan. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That's the power he has. He has to run when you submit to God and you resist the enemy. He has to. He can't even do what he wants to do. Do you know that? He can only do what he's been permitted to do. So when he's like, right, could I give them a really good, no, they've resisted you. You now must leave the building. 
Yeah, but I didn't even get to my best one yet. No, they resisted you. You must now leave. They submitted to me and they're resisting. You can go. You want to know why you're struggling in your faith? Or you want to know why you're struggling in this life? Simple. You are in control of your own power. And it's a power struggle right now in your life. And you have that rope. That's your life. But that, your life needs to be with Jesus. It needs to be at the cross. It needs to be with him. Submit it to him because it is finished. It's done. It's complete. It's over. If you submit to him, he has the power to overcome. You need grace. It's his power to give you grace. You need to forgive. It's his power that will give you the power to forgive. You need to be saved. Only he can save you. It's only his power. You can't save yourself. You want fulfillment. It's through his power. You want to feel completed. It can only be in him. It's time to stop struggling with the power in your life where you think, oh, this is okay, and it's not okay. And actually, if you really saw what you're doing, it's a bit silly. It's you fighting you. And God says, let go of the rope and just put it at the foot of the cross. Let me, let me take charge. Do you notice how, as a church, we're not saying let us? Oh, put your life in the hands of the church. Do you know why? Because we'll do a really bad job with it. This is not me speaking to you about what I think is the right thing to do. This is what the Bible tells us to do. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. God is able. God has the power to do exceedingly, abundantly above. We could ask, think, or imagine. What life are we living right now? Are we living in the life where we can be trusting God that he's about to do exceedingly abundantly above? Or are we trying to create that for ourselves through our own strength? Because if we're living that life, we need to submit to God today. We need to hand it over to him. We can't do it in our own strength. None of us can. Jesus is my superhero. Is he yours? It's absolutely mine. <clears throat> if you haven't given your life to Jesus today, if you're watching online um, or you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that shortly. Or maybe it's, it's about power transferring. Maybe it's about right now in this moment, you know that you're living a life where you are doing it in your own strength. You're blaming God, you're blaming the church, you're blaming others, whatever it might be. But actually, you know that you need to transfer your power to him. And you know that this is a significant day for you, that that needs to happen. Then the opportunity is there for you to do that too. I just want to finish with this scripture, Matthew nine twenty-eight. It says, when he entered the house, the blind man came in and Jesus said to him, do you believe that I am able to do this? And that's my question to you. Do you believe that God has the power to do this in your situation, in your life, in your relationships, with your sicknesses? 
Do you believe that God has the power to do this? That's the question. And if the question isn't yes, if the answer isn't yes, then it's time to stop struggling for power and submit to God.